This is What Goddesses Watch, a film and TV podcast that takes a divinely badass dive into the feminine on screen. With me, Soma Ghosh, film critic and editor of The Demented Goddess Arts Magazine at thedementedgoddess.com. And welcome to a Bond Girls special as No Time to Die comes out in the cinemas. It's the last film starring Daniel Craig as James Bond with Leia Seydoux and Lashana Lynch as the first female 007, um, though not a female James Bond. And it is directed by Carrie Fukunaga with input into the script by Phoebe Waller-Bridge of Fleabag, the celebrated series about a self-professed fleabag woman who takes a dur comic look at love and relationships. Will any of that show in the film? We'll come to that. But first, what do you think of when you envision a Bond girl? An international beauty in an evening gown, low-fronted, low-backed, slashed up the leg, a revolver tucked into her garter, dripping with jewels, panting for James to bed her or save her. There have been Bond girls um, with acting chops, Diana Rigg, Honor Blackman, Halle Berry. There have been some who uh, developed their acting on screen, it seems, before our very eyes, like Carolyn Bisset, who later slammed Bond as being sexist. Or you might envision your Bond girl, glistening skin in a bikini rising from the waves. Like Ursula Andress, the first Bond girl in Doctor No in 1962 with Sean Connery, who didn't speak the lines they were dubbed over, as was her singing voice, due to her heavy accent, and according to legend, wasn't cast until two weeks before the film was due to film and was picked from a photo that showed her in a wet T-shirt. And still today, when you see the lists of best Bond girls, um, even the ones which are not perpetuated by those magazines that uh, revere the stereotypical old white male gaze, they are still judged on the basis of who is the most beautiful or who is the most sexy. Because although a huge amount has changed, particularly with the Daniel Craig films, which we'll discuss in this special, she is the epitome of the exotic um, and often disposable woman who is desired and probably feared by the male gaze until the man can conquer and possess her. Bond is the ultimate patriarchal panto. And yet, paradoxically, because he pursues the exotic other woman, Bond movies have enabled the performances by women of colour from very early days when you just wouldn't see them in other films. As a a film experience, we wait to see James Bond films um, in the winter. They're like Christmas, yeah? They're they're kitsch, they're grand, they bring the family together just like a panto with a lavish display of what film can do. It is in fact a lavish display of the Western world's fantasy of itself, that submarines, space stations, nuclear explosions. And I see it as a kind of nostalgia on film for a power that's increasingly lost. And yet 
it has retained an enormous draw in the way that nostalgia holds us. Nostalgia for a lost world of stability, for a clear-cut sense of goodies and baddies. So that by 2018, the 24 films made since the beginning of Bond on screen had collectively scored 16.3 billion in ticket sales. And that makes us feel like something is working in the West. The machinery of capitalism is giving us these fantastic, glossy, escapist films. And that's why you see machinery in the Bond film. Not just the cars and planes and cars that become planes and planes that become boats. And you would have thought that they'd come up with something a bit more original than that by now. But also the watches, the pens, the paraphernalia that you might find in an ad for a, a, a businessman's desk um, that um, Bond typically has. He appears with these the clocks, the watches, the pens that, that throw poison darts, um, blow people up. Even though he is, of course, a fantasy, he is a symbol of Western industrial um, progress. And as such, he is entitled, he's also brave, and he's risk-taking. And partaking in a culture that still sees men um, as people who could be taken more seriously than women. The Bond girls are traditionally a joke, even when they are Bond's equals. They may be fellow agents, they may be scientists, but they still have joke names like um, Dr Goodhead, uh, like Pussy Galore and um, joke sexualities like Pussy Galore's lesbianism which Bond cures as his creator Ian Fleming once wrote in a letter by a laying on of hands but if the women are there to be laughed at so is Bond and indeed he gets his famous catchphrase Bond, James Bond from teasing his first girlfriend in the first two films, Sylvia, who introduces, introduces herself as Trench, Sylvia Trench. And Bond films are about sex and power and about the West weaponizing of sex. And it's in the nature of laughing at one gender that if you do so, you eventually become part of the joke. Or as Judy Dench's M will later say to Daniel Craig's um, Bond in a famous speech, a sexist, misogynist dinosaur, a relic of the Cold War, whose boyish charms, though wasted on me, obviously appealed to that young woman I sent out to evaluate you. And the scenes between them are sparky and tense and often a welcome relief from the darkness of the Craig films, giving this underlying sense that, although very serious business is going on, the war between the sexes and Bond's position in that is really quite funny. And whilst the girls are always girls, that infantilizing term, not women, um, I think that one could reread Bond um, through the lens of postmodern criticism as a double agent, the man who reveals the oily, sly, entitled, uh, repugnant sometimes workings of the machinery that he must serve, that he rebels against, but he can't escape. He's a suave clown and his need to break out of that machinery and prove himself to be the greatest um, leads him strangely towards the exotic woman even though she might never be taken as seriously 
as the respected wifely true love figure uh, who is um, white in James Bond, we get to see performances by women of colour uh, having some kind of significant screen time in an action movie uh, opposite the hero in the last 50 years of filmmaking as we don't see and haven't seen in major movies. So we just wanted to um, remember some of those appearances starting with Martine Beswick. She plays Paula Kaplan, Bond's ally in Thunderball, an upgrade, if you like, from her first appearance as Zora in From Russia with Love, 1963. One of two wrestling gypsies wrestling bare-skinned to the death over a man um, who later decide to spend the night with Bond instead. And um, she reappears in Thunderball in 1965 as Paula Kaplan, Bond's liaison in, in, in Nassau. Um, ultimately, she's captured by Spectre agents in that film and kills herself with cyanide to avoid torture. Then there was Trina Parks, um, Thumper. She's a relentless villainous bodyguard with heavy wrestling skills in Diamonds Are Forever with Sean Connery in 1971. Um, Parks is gleaming, um, beautifully black with her cropped afro and is it by chance that at this time of uh, unrest and um, revolution in terms of race activism she epitomizes the um, the natural beauty of female black panther activists like Angela Davis um, but needless to say the fact that Thumper just keeps on coming back keeps on coming back after Sean Connery it's supposed to be funny um, it's it's always particularly amusing when it's a girl although it's fair to say that the, the same jokes are are played around thuggish goons who are who are after Bond and Gloria Hendry um, is the love interest in Live and Let Die uh, so she has this sweet island style. Um, unfortunately, their love scene was cut when the film was shown in South Africa due to the racist laws of apartheid, which uh, forbid interracial love. And she is an intelligent, slightly soft, slightly um, fumbling um, uh, fellow um, agent of, of, ki- uh, of a of a kind. So again, not an entirely serious character, but she is um, Bond's love interest. And then no doubt uh, that Grace Jones as Mayday, um, and there's a, a joke there about the name, but it's it's not particularly funny. The idea is obviously that it's an emergency when you see her because you're about to be killed. And um, her... <laughs> uh, her extreme angularity, her chiselled um, musculature, the, uh, the, the, the wedged quiff of her hair. It is uh, an angular, pointed riposte of female desire towards Bond, whom she chooses to bed and she chooses either to work for or to betray. But no doubt too, her venom, as Roger Moore called it, is comic as is her powerful body, unlike the nakedness of um, Ursula Andress's Honey Rider and later Halle Berry as Jinx, rising up out of the sea, of course, suggests the birth of Venus. It suggests that mysterious woman is something beyond 
um, Bond's conscious psyche that she is an she is an agent of erotic trouble, but she's also um, things within himself that he has to explore. And there are stepping stones to that turning of Bond through the Bond girls in the movies that come before. So there's Natalia Simonova in Goldeneye, played by Isabella Skorupko, who has to spend almost the entire film um, working just one um, cardigan as she is a computer programmer. Um, and it's, a, it's an unusual uh, position for a Bond girl to occupy, something like reality. And we also on our way to Halle Berry in 1997 had our first female villain in The World Is Not Enough, Sophie Marceau. But even Halle Berry's jinx, her assertiveness and vicious sense of humour is not such a great evolution. Um, she just somehow, Halle Berry manages to twist the sexist jokes um, in a way that lets us in on them. As when Rosamund Pike, the English Rosebond girl in the same film, asking whether she's been made familiar of of Mr. Bond's Big Bang theory, um, Berry replies, oh yes, I got the thrust of it. And that kind of script writing epitomises the Bond panto, which with Pierce Brosnan continued even as the Bond girls, still cool girls, still infantilised, um, and the films seem to try to distance themselves from Bond as he was increasingly seen as M. Judy Dench calls um, James a relic of the Cold War. And that was the Bond of certain times, of certain goodies and baddies, which would all change with 9-11. Because although a terrorist organisation called Spectre is the villain in many Bond films. The overall casting of good and evil is along this old East versus West, Russia versus um, the, the Western axis from Fleming's uh, first Bond novels, which kick off in um, the early to mid 1950s. And Bond as the a girl's remark in Pierce Brosnan's uh, films just becomes increasingly untenable uh, by 2002 and die another day. Where else would there be for him to, to go to evolve? So the producers, Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson, um, the children of uh, legendary uh, first Bond producer Albert Broccoli seemed to uh, think they did something radical by casting Daniel Craig. That's the uh, typical story with his craggy face, his boxer's nose, his rough boy uh, look. Um, he is in some way supposed to be a departure from the uh, suave, entitled Bond. But in fact, Daniel Craig simply reflects the insecurities of the Western world after 9-11 and the uncertainty over his origins as he appears in his first film, Casino Royale, are addressed by his love interest, Vesper Lynn's analysis of what makes him such an entitled prick. In 2006, this is still before Me Too, but it's certainly 
uh, a world where the murkiness of uh, the Western foreign policy um, that uh, propels this notion of Islamophobia, um, the paranoia and xenophobia that has taken over the world is expressed through um, the doubts cast on Bond by the girls who appear in Daniel Craig films. And they now have taken over the role of Bond, who back in Ian Fleming's day is spoken of as um, providing a uh, psychotherapeutic um, sexual shock treatment for Pussy Galore. Um, they now have the role of psychoanalyzing Bond to the point where his um, ultimate love interest, um, Madeline Swan, is in fact a psychotherapist. And that brings us to the new film, No Time to Die. Madeline and James are reunited in No Time to Die as they race to try and stop a plague of nanobots, um, programmable DNA um, accurate weapon of mass biological destruction that can set out a plague against a family, an organisation or even an ethnic race. The nanobots can be carried like a virus from one person to the next. It's spread by contact and so that has uh, prescient resonances, of course, with the COVID pandemic, although in fact script writing and filming began before the pandemic. And the real subject of um, No Time to Die is... Uh, contact in not in the sense of um, one spy taking over from another or straightforward information but love between two bodies between James Bond and Madeline Swan the style of the movie is uh, one of a of a classic romance um, Vesper Lind um, played by Eva Green with whom Bond fell in love in Casino Royale um, last saw him in Venice, he lost her in Venice, betrayed by her, or, or so he thought. And this film, too, uh, has a, an early romantic scene in Italy in honeyed golden tones, and the entire film is bathed by um, Linus Sangren, the cinematographer, um, in uh, colours of gold and blue and snowy white, uh, a really classy palette that is um, at once tender and restrained. And um, we see this in the costumes too, um, particularly of Léa Seydoux um, as Madeleine. She is a, uh, a very fleshly, soft creature um, dressed in natural tones and with barely any makeup, um, although there is uh, a, um, a throwback um, Bond girl um, who I'll come to shortly. The, the romance of the film unfolds in grand vistas of uh, Italy, uh, hilltop towns, 
the jungle, an isolated house in a tundra and the traditional villainous deathly island lair. And the presence of the sea moves through the film too, um, as it has through all of James Bond. And I said earlier how the Venus figure rising from the waters is suggestive of things in Bond's subconscious that the Bond girls symbolise. And in this film, it is not just Bond, um, he must confront what's within him. But given that a lot of that work has been done, the final phase seems to be in understanding what makes a Bond girl. So it's Madeline's past that rises up here to threaten Bond. And the movie is a final redemption of uh, James Bond, um, certainly of the uh, Daniel Craig films as James Bond, as well as an, an exorcism for all of those um, outdated, um, absurd, uh, patriarchal, oily, slimy, uh, creepy carry-ons as he finally in this film takes on the role of a benevolent patriarch with a real Bond girl, a real little girl to save, the daughter of Madeline. So this film, if you like, gives us a version of Bond as the family man and there's even a 4 by 4 scene uh, of, of uh, the kind of family in their car, although instead of the school run, they are being pursued possibly unto the death. And a lot of people have um, called it sentimental. And although there are sentimental phrasings in the sound and lighting, which should be no surprise given that um, Sandgrass did did the, uh, the lighting and the looks for the romantic musical La La Land, it is actually emotionally a very affecting film. And for me, the, the best of the uh, Daniel Craig films, possibly the best of all the James Bond films. Despite the lack of inventiveness when it comes to some of the details of villainy and um, some of the action sequences where there is a, a great deal of almost exhausted reprise. Elsewhere, reprise is used as part of the film's approach of having a lot of meta fun, both referring to previous Bonds, um, referring to previous big movies. There's a big Silence of the Lambs vibe when Bond goes uh, deep into the bowels of Belmarsh to uh, have a tete-a-tete with Blofeld, whose organisation Spectre um, Madeline's father used to work for um, the deadly assassin Mr White and who is being um, targeted by Lucifer Sefin played by Remy Malek the arch villain in this uh, in this film and replacing the traditional fight chase and getaway opening scene of James Bond movies we have instead an austere tense, um, depressed and drowsy opening as we find ourselves in Madeline's past. The film opens with that Bond girl as a real little girl looking after her depressed mother who is taking pills and drinking in their, um, in their home. Um, 
marooned by a, a snowy tundra when the masked Safin arrives to assassinate them in revenge for Mr White, um, their uh, husband and father, having killed all of his family. And the intensity and earthiness that never quite leaves um, Léa Sadou's face reminds us of that little girl, but not in an infantilising way. It just digs deeper into every scene in which she appears, uh, suggesting the enormous burden that she carries. And the film at 2 hours and 43 minutes never feels intolerably long because it cleverly twists and turns on these themes of love and betrayal and treachery, of which James is often the victim, which is underscored by nightmarish uh, droning music um, more suited to a psychological horror. But the piece of music that is used most extensively is Louis Armstrong's rendition of We Have All the Time in the World. That too appeared previously in the Bond film where James gets married uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service with George Lazenby's only appearance as Bond. He marries Diana Riggs, Contessa Teresa di, uh, di Vincenzo, also known as Tracy Bond. And this film flickers like a zoetrope through James Bond memories of Bond girls and the great loves of his life. Madeleine Swan, Tracy Bond and Vesper Lind. Madeleine even repeats um, uh, what Vesper and Jane say to each other when she says, you're growing on me. That's, a, that's something that um, the two lovers talk about in Casino Royale. Uh, I'm growing on you. Yes, I guess you could call, call it that. Says Vesper, I, I believe, more or less in Casino Royale. And the jokes about Bond that are made by the women in his life, they're no longer straightforwardly girls in uh, Daniel Craig's films, are also uh, repeated here. I don't know if that is um, being done cleverly and deliberately or just through uh, lack of imagination, but actually it works. Um, so that when Lashana Lynch, um, posing as an island girl on the Caribbean island where James has retired uh, as the film opens, um, jokes about him being an old wreck, uh, which reminds us of uh, Naomi Harris, um, wh uh, whose portrayal of Eve Moneypenny I find uh, quite brilliant. Knowing sympathetic and tough, she is an agent, Eve Moneypenny, in Skyfall 2012, who, having uh, muffed um, a shootout at M's command is um, assigned to, to, to desk duty. And alongside a very strong cast in this film, including Ray Fiennes as Mallory, who sort of replaced the Judy Dench M character, Ben Whishaw as Q, uh, she quietly steals every scene in which she appears in her well-cut silk blouses that look like they came from equipment and interesting and her flowing Prada-esque trench coats. There is a um, constant interior watchfulness about Harris's performance that perfectly matches the uh, dented 
face of Daniel Craig, from which his blue eyes seem to um, gaze out upon the world, defensively and embattled. And No Time to Die is a film with women who are grown up, despite the fact that uh, there is an appearance of the traditional Bond girl figure um, in the character of Paloma, the ally of Felix Leiter, um, Bond's very old friend who appears in so many um, previous um, Bond films. In as many as possibly 12, I think. Dr No, Goldfinger... Um, Licensed to Kill, uh, Quantum of Solace. Anyway, Paloma is a sort of intern of Felix's who helps James uh, get into a birthday party that's being held for the friends of Blofeld um, and the, the who, i.e. all the Spectre assassins, which Blofeld is enjoying remotely from his um, high security cell in Belmarsh and Paloma is your classic um, throwback to the Bond girl um, she is very young glossy and, um, and and beautiful with her brunette bobbed hair her dress slashed to the navel slashed at the back slashed up the leg and wearing a garter and there's a, a kind of in-joke about her um, fresh-faced youthfulness, which is then betrayed by her absolute kick-ass fighting skills. And like the uh, best interns, she is resolutely cheerful. She's not the kind of girl who seems keen to sacrifice herself for Bond, which has been the uh, continual fate of girls who get involved with Bond, um, whether as allies, you remember I talked about Martine Beswick's character Paula Kaplan in Thunderball, um, she has to um, kill herself before she can be tortured by Spectre, and even Vesper Lind chooses to uh, give up her life deep down um, below Venice, trapped in an elevator, and James has to watch her die. And James thinks that Vesper has betrayed her willingly, although in fact she is um, a pawn of Quantum and Spectre, the two related um, terrorist organisations, who's forced into that position, which he later discovers, and at the beginning of this film, No Time to Die, he goes to visit Vesper's grave at the urging of Madeline to exorcise these ghosts. And in this film, there is no Bond girl who is going to sacrifice herself for James. Eve Moneypenny has far too smart a head on her shoulders. Lashana Lynch plays 007, the uh, rival and um, ally uh, of um, James Bond and um, Lea Seydoux as uh, Madeleine Swan has a, a daughter so she's not going to sacrifice herself for a man nor does anybody get time to play the fluffy sex bunny. In fact, the only appearance of that kind of figure, the playboy sex bunny that would relate to the, um, the, the playboy era of Roger Moore and Sean Connery, is in fact a bedraggled, much-loved uh, pink rabbit, um, the doo-doo of Madeline's daughter, which he ends up clutching for various reasons in his closing moments, in the film, 
atop and uh, atop the the villains, the Sa uh, Safan's exploding island lair. And in previous Bond films, of course, um, he's been there with the girl. They're making their escape together. Uh, or you might remember in A Spy Who Loved Me, the final entente between him and Barbara back as they bob in a kind of um, floating vessel, almost like a, a, a dinghy. In this film, Bond uh, also um, floats in a dinghy, um, utterly alone and uh, bereft, as the, the film really plays on um, Bond needing to belong and his sense of um, family also in the um, in the wider alternate sense of the world, his 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 friends who have helped him in his life as a spy, and you really care about this James Bond like you've never cared about him before, and you really care about Lea Seydoux as the Bond girl, although it is rather preposterous um, and unconvincing her her turn as um, Blofeld's psychotherapist. Um, she just she carries this. Um, very convincing, um, deep passivity, or perhaps I should rather say placidity, that sort of still waters run deep about her, Lea Seydoux. And so there is a, an absolute um, sincerity to her voluptuous presence in all of her scenes with Daniel Craig, but she just doesn't really convince as a psychotherapist. But she is utterly convincing as the woman to receive the most uh, credible, heartfelt declaration of love from James to which she says you know the worst thing about you and he asks my timing which brings us back to the watches the cogs the turning of the machinery that I said at the beginning of this special is symbolic of the western power and the idea that west is best um, the uh, industrial advances that James Bond symbolises and that he finds himself to be um, just like the Bond girls in fact a, a, a pawn of. The actual use of time as a symbol in this movie after the opening credits which are um, suggestive of clocks and cogs which are pressed up against um, womanly flesh over which uh, roses creep is part of the romantic spirit of the film. The actual use of um, time time detonated devices is is limited i'm afraid to yes yet another watch it's not really very inventive in terms of um the fight sequences um nor indeed in terms of the villain's motive as just yet another villain who wants to tidy up humanity by destroying bits of it and this insistence on time and number is picked up most frustratingly by lashana lynch she has surprisingly little screen time and much of her dialogue with James Bonds consists of ribbing him about the fact that she now has his number 007 and in fact their their dialogue and chemistry is reduced to that of the office bicker. So I had also said that it would be interesting to see what the input of Phoebe Waller-Bridge achieved. Um, I've got no idea of course uh, to what extent she worked on Lashana Lynch's dialogue but of course there has been an enormous hoo-ha about um, Lynch also known as Monica Rambeau the ace fighting pilot and best friend of Captain Marvel in the Avengers series being cast as the first um, not only female but black 007 and 
it's a total disappointment. Um, there is, as I said, very little chemistry between uh, the two of them. She has um, very little to do in terms of the missions that she's sent on and she's largely outpaced by Bond. And finally, when they join forces, uh, she helps to save um, Lea Seydoux's character, Madeline, and the and the daughter. And so we have a uh, closing situation where we have women saving women. And as the film closes with Bond and the women on rocks um, surrounded by sea and with a, a different version of the um, opening fires of the fiesta in Italy with which the, the film opens when uh, James and Madeline are in Italy together. Um, it closes with, uh, you might say, a kind of fireworks overhead, um, a kind of tragic marriage of, of, of kinds. Um, we have, sure, the, um, the, the, the rising up of um, the, the feminine, if you like, side of Bond. But it's not really the women rising up, is it? It's that age-old um, picture of the women going off to be safe while the patriarch does the decent thing in fighting for his family. Exactly the myth that has cost so many um, so many men and indeed boys their lives during world wars. So all of the great um, controversy and discussion that's been going on for years about there being a, a female bond, should it be Angelina Jolie, should it be Gillian Anderson, which was something that Gillian Anderson took up as a, a kind of a kind of a joke, um, the name is Bond, Jane Bond. Um, there have been um, suggestions by um, former Bond girls like Diana Rigg saying that James Bond should be a lesbian. There have been allegations by former Bonds like Pierce Brosnan saying that Barbara Broccoli would not allow Bond to be a woman uh, or to be gay. And there have been former Bond girls um, in the James uh, James Bond played by Daniel Craig series, like Eva Green, saying, just parroting, I think, the, the, the Broccoli line that... Um, that James Bond doesn't need to be a woman. It's just a case of making women more interesting. That is Broccoli's defence about not having a female James Bond. Um, she says, women are more interesting than that. Well, Lashana Lynch's 007 ain't interesting. And it's a real waste of the actors' blaze and cool. I think audiences could certainly adapt to um, a, a fantastically interesting um, spy character who could be an ally of James Bond. Personally, I would love to see Naomi Harris as Eve Moneypenny step forward to shake up the whole system, but perhaps that's a that's a spin-off movie. Um, I think it's extremely unlikely to happen, of course, although it, it really is the only interesting thing left to do. And who knows if there is enough public discussion of it um, perhaps it might happen. One gets the feeling that maybe Michael G. Wilson could be swayed. We'll see. Um, let me know what you think. I'd love to know whether you think that there should be a female James Bond, whether you think James Bond is at all relevant to feminism today, whether we should be watching James Bond. And in your time of watching, who has your favourite Bond girl been? 
to become a member of What Goddesses Watch and help us feminise film forever and make lots more of these kinds of podcasts, um, you just need to go to the landing page of our podcast at rss.com forward slash podcasts forward slash What Goddesses Watch and hit the donate button, which starts from £2 a month. And we are looking to be listener funded to try and keep out as much ads for you as possible. This has been me, Soma Ghosh, for What Goddesses Watch, which is produced by me and audio produced by Quiva Lavelle, with music by Penelope Traps. <laughs>